it's me again and as you know my voice whenever i get a cold it just takes forever for my voice to return back to normal but i think you're used to it now so um today i'm going to keep quiet as much as possible and let anybody interesting we have you know in the virtue cafe you know talk and tell us something interesting i'm hoping that i would learn something new today and possibly you would learn something new today or possibly even be inspired um, anyway, so who have I got here with me today? This is Bruce Wozniak. My company is called Now Hear This. I do uh, management, promotion, and booking, which is largely based on communications-type services, so media relations, public relations, the web, marketing, social media. And uh, I also do host a weekly podcast myself called Now Hear This Entertainment. Well, nice to meet you, Bruce. Uh, well, one podcast or another. What's, what's your podcast about? Uh, every week I interview a guest who is having success in entertainment, which is primarily musicians. Ah, right. Okay. That's, that's quite interesting. Um, okay. So have you, interest, uh, have you interviewed any interesting guests, any popular musicians? Not that I'm, you know, I've had time to listen to music lately. Yeah, recently I interviewed Roy Orbison Jr., and I've also had on some guests, which would range anywhere from the keyboard player for Aerosmith to the lead guitar player for Garth Brooks, the drummer for Joe Walsh, the trumpet player for Billy Joel, and then I've had some guests from American Idol, The Voice, America's Got Talent, The X Factor, and I even had a couple Grammy Award winners and a Rock and Roll Hall of Famer, a Las Vegas headliner, and two Emmy Award winners. Nice. Wow. Nice, Will. You're out there. Well, it is a well, virtue. Yeah. <laughs> it is a virtue cafe. So, what can I offer yeah. you? You know, my cafe. Yeah. Think of it as a very Star Trek one. Anything you can imagine. I'm sure we can sort it out. <laughs> well, because it's still morning time where we are, I would love a nice cup of hot tea right now. <laughs> and how do you have your tea? I like to drink chai tea, and I only put sugar in it, sweetener, no okay. milk. Okay, that's fine. Well, I will send my little human to go and get it. Um, so while she's doing that, who else have I got here today? Good morning, Saglola. How are you today? Good morning. I'm very well, thanks. How are you? Good. I'm wonderful. My name is Deborah S. Yates, and I'm from um, Fort Fort Myers, Florida, and um, I'm an author. I've written a book recently called Woman of Many Names. So lately, that's what I've done. Prior to that, I was a landscape design artist for about 25 years. So I love to, to plant plants and trees, and that's what I've been doing here lately. Um, the lady I wrote my book about, who is my seventh great-grandmother, is buried in a place called Benton, Tennessee, and she died in 1822. And the state of Tennessee has been in charge of her um, memorial place there in Park for, you know, many, many, many years. And uh, last year, they, um, in their infinite wisdom, decided to go bulldoze all the trees and plants from the area where she is buried. So um, that caused a little bit of a controversy. And um, on the 19th of next month, this month rather, I'm heading to a place called Knoxville, Tennessee, 
to pick out all the new trees and plants that are going to be reinstalled there. So I'm excited and honored that the state of Tennessee has, has asked me to come and do that. And my, you know, um, former background gives me the, um, you know, the knowledge and forethought to be able to do that. So I'm very excited for this next adventure. No, that sounds very interesting. Well, well done. And I'm glad that, you know, that they are replanting um, trees again. You know, we, we need more trees, uh, you know, on the, on the planet. Um, so what can Absolutely. I get? <clears throat> yeah, so what can I get? I you? would like a, um, a coffee, the mildest one you got with lots of cream. Okay, any sugar? Nope. Thank yeah. you. Okay, that's my nice. little human. Cup of coffee, light one with lots of cream in it. Okay. Are you going to say hello, everyone? Hello, everyone. How are you? Hi. <laughs> oh, I love you too. <laughs> that's your Segalola. That's your co-host, right? Yeah, she is. She is. At the moment, <laughs> that's about all she can say. You know, it's good morning, everyone. How are you, everyone? But you know, she's ready to the job. <laughs> Perfect. Very sweet. That's how you start them. You start them young. Exactly. You know, so by the time, I mean, she's only three now. So imagine if I did this for the next 10 years, you know, by the time she's 13, it would be a seasoned, you know, um, interview. Yeah. <laughs> She'll be taken over. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, um, it's quite interesting to have, you know, the both of you. And, you know, I, I don't even know where to start because you guys have such um, amazing um, um, backgrounds. Um, okay, so fine. because you've got a podcast show as well, Bruce, um, I was quite interested to know because I realized that this year I haven't done a lot of business. I haven't learned any new business skills. Um, and I'm guessing my, you know, my listeners, you know, they've, they've been missing sort of business discussions because we've had quite a varied um, discussion so far this year. So I wanted to know, you know, from your point of view, um, is appearing on the podcast show an essential strategy for authors and businesses? Um, so from one podcast host to another, Bruce, what do you think? <clears throat> oh, absolutely. And that's not, that's not self-serving either. It's just podcasting has become so big and it's only going to continue to grow I know that as of last August 2017, there were 400,000 podcasts on iTunes, and the number is obviously just continuing to grow. So obviously, that's someplace where, as a business owner, you want to make sure that you are is being found on all these different podcasts, because there's so many different niche podcasts that if you're someone like Deborah, who has a book that people that enjoy listening to history podcasts would like to listen to, well, then that's where you want to place yourself. You know, I myself as a podcaster, I get myself placed on other podcasts about podcasts, but I also try to find those that focus on the music niche since my own podcast is about music. So it's definitely a part of your business strategy that you want to employ because radio isn't what it was many years ago and everyone is drifting towards podcasting. So you have to go to where the people are, obviously. Yeah. That's that's very interesting. I mean, what do you think, um, Deborah? Well, I think that I've probably done um, either four or five podcasts that have um, aired across the country, and I think it's an amazing format for you know, especially for us new artists and writers. You know, we don't have a name behind us that you know 
makes us maybe as desirable as, as say, maybe a, a very famous writer like, let's just use John Grisham or something like that. Um, you know, but our, our books have value too, and our writings have value. And myself in particular, I am um, writing about the, the stories and the lore that was passed down verbally through my family. Uh, being Native American, we didn't necessarily write our stories down. Um, although the Cherokee were first to have a syllabary and an alphabet um, and had our first written language of all Native Americans, even though that was available to us, being Native American and having a lot of trust issues, um, that has borne out into the future also. I think it's like part of our DNA to be a little mistrustful of, um, let's say, government, for a, a large example. Um, we just have a natural born, disc, um, you know, you know, we're sort of afraid of that sort of venue. So that's how we chose to, to pass the stories that were the most important so that, you know, white man didn't know what we thought for sure you know they could read what we put in the paper which was you know essentially what they were saying about us but not necessarily what as a people we were saying about them so i found that um you know it's just another interesting venue to you know to become known in well and now if you look at for deborah for you to say that there was a time when nothing was written down and everything was just passed down verbally and now we're to a point where we've come full circle and people don't write things. They just, with the advent of artificial intelligence, people are using devices like Amazon Alexa to just say what they want. And they'll say, okay, Alexa, play the Now Hear This Entertainment podcast. Or they'll say, you know, all these different devices that we have now. So it's actually kind of interesting that you said that they didn't write anything. They passed everything down verbally. And now the way that we're activating devices is verbally. <laughs> verbally. Back to that verbalism again. Yeah, it's it's amazing the way, you know, of course, that all inter forms of entertainment have evolved and we can watch so many things. You know, you can sit at home and watch a, you know, a famous, you know, like wrestling or boxing or, you know, even the Olympics. It's, you know, you're watching all the different venues now instead of just what NBC or CBS has decided to air that time. You know, you can go to a, another channel and watch it from beginning to end. So, you know, it's it's a wonderful thing that's happened, but it's also kind of scary, you know, especially if you don't know a lot about that. No, that sounds definitely thing. interesting. <clears throat> now, Bruce, so if you remind me again, okay, see, I have mommy brain, right? And apparently I can get away with mommy brain for the next 25 years. <laughs> so you will be my mommy brain. At the beginning, you said, did you say you do management consultancy or something along those lines? <clears throat> yes, yes. So I have clients that are everywhere from uh, musicians to authors to small businesses and even an Olympic athlete. Right, and what exactly do you do for them? <clears throat> I do a wide range of services that go anywhere from, say, publicity, promotion, maybe a website, social media, uh, obviously media interviews. So there's a long range of services that just kind of varies from one client to the next in terms of you know what they actually need because what I'm going to do for an author is going to be entirely different from what I do for a band. Right, okay, but then what is your ultimate aim? Though? What do you hope to achieve for each of your clients? 
Well, I ask each client what, you know, what their goals and objectives are in, in, in large part, it's trying to create a professional image, make everything first class for them and get them more opportunities. So, you know, sometimes it leans a lot more towards being a publicist and, you know, that can take many shapes and forms, uh, whether it is helping them create flyers to promote their music, their book, whatever it is that they are promoting, whether it's landing them on television, radio, podcast interviews, uh, or even something like, you know, for someone like Deborah to get a book signing, that's still publicity. It's still promotion because it's drawing attention to the author and their book. And that's ultimately what we want is for more people to hear. In the case of Deborah, we want people to hear the story of her seventh great grandmother. Okay, that sounds that sounds interesting. So now you know, we, let's sort of imagine you know there is a table, and you know most times you're on the one side, which is the side of you know being the host of your own podcast show, and then the other time you're on the other side of the table. So out of interest, how many of your um, you know clients have you gotten on podcast show? You know, it's interesting that you asked that question because when I first launched it, my thought was this will be a good marketing tool for my business and maybe someone out of state will hear it and contact me and ask me if I can work with them. And it's evolved into something entirely different because I have discovered the world of podcasting and how big it's become and what truly can be realized from podcasting. So I really don't approach it from the standpoint of trying to get clients. I have gotten one or two from hosting the podcast, but as I sit here today, that's not the point. That's not the purpose anymore of why I do that show. You know, it's great exposure for his clients um, to be able to appear on his show. Um, I actually, you know, am a different genre, so I have not been able to um, be on his show, but, you know, that could change one day too, so... No, that's fine. I think my question though was when you're on the other side. So as a as someone who manages clients, um, <clears throat> what do you hope to get, you know, to um, achieve for your clients when you put them like, what sort of, you know, with everything. So this is me trying to put on business speech, right? So if you're coming from the point of view as a business, right, you know, time is money, money is time, time is, you know, priceless. Um, what sort of return on investments, you know, have you, have your clients seen when you've put them on podcast show, you know, what sort of things, you know, have they, um, how has it been worth their time? <clears throat> well, because placing someone on a podcast, we're aiming to get them in front of a whole new audience, you know, the listeners of that show, uh, as opposed to just their own followers listening to them. And then, of course, then you want to see it translate into if it's an artist, you want to see them maybe get more bookings. Uh, you obviously want to see a lot more social media following. You want to see uh, either book sales if it's an author or you want to see if it's a musician. You want to see downloads of their music or purchases of their CDs. So there, there are measurable results that you can look for. And you never know a, another opportunity might come from it. So, you know, we always do it with an open mind in terms of who might be listening or even the host themselves might finish the interview and say, I know somebody else that uh, does interviews that I should put you in touch with and you make new connections as well. So there's a lot that can come from it for sure. No, that sounds, that sounds interesting. And what about you, um, Deborah? Did you say you've been on a number of podcasts as well? Oh, mercy. Yes. Uh, Bruce has booked, you know, numerous 
uh, podcasts, um, radio interviews that have been across the country. Uh, this is our first international interview, um, so I was really excited for this. And um, because, you know, the English are also interested in our history since they were such an intricate part of it. And Nancy herself was part of the Revolutionary War, which, um, you know, brought our independence, um, your beautiful country. And we still revere you all today, I must say. And, um, you know, because a lot of the people here, you know, are of European descent. And um, so it's kind of like y'all are still kind of like our homeland, our old homeland. <laughs> and um, <laughs> so, um, but unfortunately, my grandma helped y'all, um, helped, helped the Americans, the colonialists, uh, win independence. Um, she worked um, directly with, um, you know, a a future president that was helping our first future president. Um, Nan he actually um, went into negotiations and made treaties that allowed George Washington to be able to travel through certain regions that put him in a spot where he could, you know, ultimately win our independence. And um, had it not been for Nan he as soon as he would have entered those areas, other Native Americans would have probably eliminated him. So um, that's one connection there that, that we have. And then Thomas Jefferson was that intermediary, which was our, I believe, our third president. So she knew firsthand of the first president, and they knew of her and the second as well. And they formed a friendship that lasted you know, many years into the future. Um, she is, you know, such a, a big part of that era of time. Um, she did, you know, many, many wonderful things. Um, um, one of which was our people were fighting with another um, Indian tribe called the Creeks. And um, um, she was at that battle and her first husband was actually killed in that um, fight. And um, when she realized that her husband was dead, she picked up his lands and called um, for and yelled the war cry. And the retreating tribe actually turned around and followed my grandmother back into battle. And they whooped the Creek's butt. And then the Creek's left the whole area. They actually moved to Alabama and places further west. So... She was a great peacekeeper, but Ananya, he also knew how to um, run a war and win one. So it was interesting, the, you know, uh, 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 during that, you know, period of time in the 1770s and, and before, you know, we had to deal a lot with the English and with the French and the Spanish because all these entities wanted our country for their own. And um, the Native Americans and the colonialists didn't necessarily want that, but there were times that, you know, especially the Indians would seem to side with either the English, the French, the Spanish. But, you know, as a smaller people, we had to, you know, um, protect our lives. So if you have a, a whole command of English soldiers, you know, surrounding your village with weapons that you don't have, like guns and mus muskets and, and different things like this, you're more apt to go ahead and side with them. So we were very adaptable people. And um, I think that's one of the, 
you know, things that we can look at. You know, yes, this is a story from a couple hundred years ago in American history. However, it's still relevant today. Some of the same problems we had, you know, two, three hundred years ago still exist today, just in a different way, maybe a larger way. You know, we're looking now at, you know, so many people calling for more gun control in this country. Um, you know, which I don't have a problem with, and most Americans don't have a large problem with, you know, maybe changing a few of the rules, and let's let's make it 21 years of age before you can go out and buy a semi-automatic weapon. No problem. But, you know, you see a divide, you know, in, in this country, and it seems to fall down pretty much on party lines anymore. And we didn't used to be this way. It used to be, okay, well, this Republican one office, I need to sit back, and be cool for the next four to eight years, you know, and not happy 100% with, with my leader. But, you know, every four to eight years, that can change. So, you know, you just have to sit back and bear it. And this election has just, you know, sent everybody stir crazy and over the wall for whatever reason. But, you know, it's history is cyclical. We need not repeat the mistakes of the past. And by learning our history and knowing about women like Nan Yee and George Washington and, you know, what happened during the Civil War and different things like that in our country, just like it's important in your country to know about your battles with the Spanish and the French Armadas and, and things like that is so critical. We will forget if we don't remind these young people of, of the histories of our past, then we are going to commit them again in the future. People exactly. just the have to calm down and breathe. There's a saying, if you don't know where you're coming from, how do you know where you're going to? Absolutely. So remind me so, what's your yeah, called again. I wanted, to, I wanted to mention that um, all, this, that all this that Deborah is sharing, and she's, she's just so well-versed in all of this history because of the research and the time that she spent in preparing to write her book, this yeah. is what makes podcasting so beneficial is that there is the, the goals that I described before that we look for when someone is on a podcast, but it's almost an intangible. You can't put a value on the fact that podcasting can deliver history lessons like the one that Deborah just gave to yeah. so many listeners who may not know that that part of history that took place. And so it's a great vehicle for someone like Deborah to be able to come on and educate people, not only about her seventh great grandmother, but about the times that Nancy Ward lived in and what was going on. And then of course, you know, how Nancy Ward tied into those, those times. No, that's, that's, no, well, that's very true. Deborah, what's the name of your book again? It's called Woman of Many Names. And it's it's available on Amazon, Walmart.com, Books a Million, Barnes and Noble. It's been <laughs> wonderful to me. Um, and you know, another thing I wanted to tell you, Peggy Lola, is yeah. my family was dubbed uh, the Emperor of America by King George the Third, who was you know um, you know uh, one of y'all's kings, and yes. he actually sent for my grandfather to come visit him. And oh. um, my grandfather being a, a ruler of the Cherokee said, well, I can't go to England, you know, basically, and leave my people. What if something goes wrong or the, the boat goes down or the king, king of England decides that he wants to kill me? 
So what he did, like the sneaky fox he was, he sent son that, because um, Alexander Cummings uh, came to America and went to, and spoke to my grandfather, my toy, and told him the king's wishes. So he said, no, I can't go, but I'll send my son. Well, little did um, Cummings know, but along his path, he got to another son and a cousin of, of theirs. And they all joined the party like it was just like accidental, but it was done with intent. He wanted to send the people that he trusted most, which was his son, to England to see what you all were about. Because we could, we would have no idea what a, a huge city like London, England would be all about and what your cultures and what your ways were. So he sent two of his sons to see. And when they came home, they said that England was so big, there was no way that we could ever win a war against a place with so many people. So I believe that's one thing that brought the Native Americans and England so close because they understood y'all were mighty and powerful, powerful nation with um, lots of beautiful women. <laughs> just, just <laughs> add my, my, uh, my uncle thought the women were beautiful. And um, one of my uncles actually, so actually my uncle Okanastoa married um, a lady named Lucy Ward, who was the um, the lady in waiting to King George uh, George's wife. So it was interesting how it all bore out. You know, a, a beautiful Native American went to your country and actually found his bride. She actually came to America and lived amongst our people. So it was, you know, it was, you know, how do you, how do you, where do you put that? You know, what's the odds of something like that happening? That the lady in waiting would decide she wanted to go off with the native to this wild new country and uh, start a life. So I thought that was interesting. A tie to your country. Are you there? Hello. <laughs> Sorry. Hello. <laughs> I just now heard you. <laughs> you keep kind of going in and out. It's I okay, was, baby. I, I put I put it on mute because the little human, you know, like I said before, she's a bit on the hyper. So whilst you were talking, I put it on mute because then I didn't want what she was saying to then come across. So you know oh, when you still on your hands are tied, you're like, shoot, I've got to then dis disengage my hands and then come back and unmute it. Sorry. You're fine. Did you get that? <laughs> I did. I did. I did. Wonderful. Um, you know, it's sort of really nice. I think, let me see. I'm actually quite fortunate. You know, one of the things that I do like about podcasts is that I do like to talk. But apart from that fact that I do like to talk, I like meeting new people and I like learning about new cultures. Um, and so it's sort of, I think you're like my third, is it second or third Native American who's come on the show? And it just feels like nice. you know, I've learned a lot more just from having conversation, uh, conversations with Well, sure. <clears throat> Nobody That's can awesome. tell our story like we can as, you know, as, as you know, part of the human race also. Um, we really haven't had a voice, the Native Americans, so much in America, I don't believe anyways. Um, 
we didn't gain the right to vote here until um, like 1957, if I'm not mistaken. And so as long as I've been alive is as long as my people have been able to vote in elections here in this country. Um, I have a lot of uh, black friends and I've told them, I said, you all don't understand. You all got the right to vote before we did. So if you, you know, if you can imagine, you know, how, how my family must have felt. My grandpa hid his Native Americanness and left the reservation and basically went into hiding so that he could assimilate into white society, so that he could vote, so that he could own property, so that he could, you know, be like everybody else. Yeah. So my wow. family hid our Native Americanness uh, for decades. It was just, it was, we, um, we were told and then we were told to keep our mouths shut because we would be discriminated against, be made fun of. And um, my mother didn't want that for me. And my grandfather didn't want that for his children. So it was a pretty guarded secret, you know, for many years that we were of Native American descent. And that has been going on for hundreds of years in this country. We were able to, you know, blend in. And once we started, you know, breeding with the white man, you know, our color, you know, lightened and, and so on and so forth. So, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting to see how that has developed socially. Although, however, we, um, we do are born with, I believe, a certain amount of depression and a certain amount of, um, you know, uh, yes, deception is, has, has been part of our lives. It's had to be to bring along our survival so that my people could continue to, to survive into the future so that descendants of Nancy Ward could write a book. You know, um, Nancy was just one of her many names. That was her American name. She was called Wild Rose, you know, she had so many names in history, a war woman of Chota, and so Pocahontas of Tennessee. So the reason it's name woman of many names is because as I did more research and started, you know, reading more things, more nicknames, more names began to surface for her. And hence, woman of many names, because if you just research one name, you don't get everything. But when you start hitting wild rose and, and different things like that, more information starts to spill out of that computer. And um, I had to research so many names that it was it was crazy. So that's how the, the book became woman of many names, because I was telling my girlfriend, I said, this woman has so many names, I don't know what to do. And I went, there's my title. So, um, you know, it's just amazing how things, you know, happen and pop up and, you know, you find out different, different things and, you know, it, it just raises your curiosity. But, um, I was excited to write this story. I was really not writing a book. I was writing for like your daughter. I didn't want my nieces and grandnieces and nephews to not know these stories. And I was afraid they were gonna die with me. So yeah, I wrote them down amazing. and gave them to a friend uh, to put into a format on the computer for me um, so that I could send it to them. And when she brought me those writings, she handed them to me and she started to cry. And I said, oh, darling, what's wrong, what's wrong? And she said, this is beautiful. 
this is beautiful and you've got to write a book. So at that juncture, it was like, uh, okay. So she encouraged me. And at that point I started doing, you know, research and then downloading and buying every book I could find. Even if it just had one sentence in it about my grandmother, I, I purchased the book so that, you know, I could read just every word that had ever been written about her. And, um, and then through that, uh, the story just, you know, grew and developed and I'd go back and reinsert, you know, things that white man's history, you know, talked about also. So it's a compilation of, you know, of course, it's stories that we agree with, too, and um, put them all together. So as far as I know, I'm the first descendant to write on her. The other writings have been done by non-descendants or they're in the um, the kind of like a bio- biography type format um, from one of her nephews. Um, Caleb Starr that just wrote about everything, you know, um, traditions and ceremonies that we used and old beliefs. So it's just been an amazing adventure. And Bruce has been, you know, more than helpful um, with the things that he's and opportunities that he's opened up and helped present. You know, I've been to nine Barnes and Nobles and done TV and radio and podcasts like we're doing here today and you know it's just fun oh let me grab a drink of my coffee hang on a second well and Stegalola, you know what deborah's talking about it's it's so timely too you know like we were talking about podcasting is is the way that everything is going and this is we're also living in a time when people are so fascinated people have really embraced finding out their family history and mm-hmm. genealogy is such a, mm-hmm. such a popular subject so you know i think deborah really seized upon it at the right time because I think people are interested in family history and they're interested in listening to someone talk about everything that she just described that she went through to research her family history and then to turn it into a book. So I think it's something that is very relevant, even though it's a story that's, you know, hundreds of years old. Of course, of course. So Deborah, are you a client of Bruce then? Yes, yes. Bruce is my publicist. And uh, he helps me get, you know, into places that I wouldn't be able to get into on my own. Sure. So He's been with you... me since the beginning. Mm-hmm. Right. And how long has that been? Oh, it's uh, been, it a been, mm-hmm. yeah. it's been, yeah, it's been a few years now. Mhm. Yeah. Been a few years. maybe three, Bruce. Um, I hired yeah, I him before so. I published. Um, I couldn't decide how what route I really wanted to go. And he was able to, you know, ferret out some different things to help me make a better decision. You know, being a first-time author, you know, you have no idea. You know, you're walking blind out there. You ask me about anything about trees and plants, and I'm right on it, you know, and I can give you two or three names for it. You know, the, the Latin, the botanicals from, you know, all different places. But this genre, you know, it was all new to me. And uh, I, you know, I wasn't a young person. I'm 60, and I needed advice from somebody that I felt I could trust. And a friend of mine was friends with a friend of his. And you know, it's you know funny how things work. I believe everything is destiny, and um, you know, it's it's going to come about no matter what happens. You know, if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. And I believe that God has 
you know, saved me from death three times, have been dead three times and brought back every time. And I believe it was to write this book. I, I can't honestly come up with any other reason that he allowed me to, you know, that he sent me back to stay here on this earth so that I could write this book so that the thousands of descendants of Nancy Ward would know more stories and that, you know, her story could be brought forth um, on a larger scale. Nanyi was an amazing, amazing person. She had the gift of prophecy. She knew the gift of medicine. She was a healer and um, she was a great leader and her birth was foretold. There will be a child, a girl child born amongst the wolf clan that will rise to lead her people to greatness. And um, so they were kind of waiting on my grandma, but that she ended up being the granddaughter of Matoy, which was the emperor of, of America, according to King George. And, um, you know, bring forth a beautiful story that's kind of been muffled over the years. Yes, there's been a little bit, you know, here and there written, but we had more stories that we were not sharing. And I have shared those now with the world. And I believe that, um, you know, there was a reason. There had to be a reason. And um, and then, you know, meeting Bruce, and he's helped open doors for me that I could not have opened on my own. I can imagine. And second, Lola, I think something that's really amazing is connections that get made. You know, connections that you make through a podcast interview. I, I've I have found that myself as a podcaster, and then even Deborah, you know, writing her book, and all of a sudden you have people who come to her and say, "Oh my gosh, I think I might be in the bloodline too." And now Deborah has not only preserved her seventh great grandmother's legacy by writing this book but she's kind of exposed the family history to people who all of a sudden discover, I think I'm related in some way too. And so I think that Deborah, I, I think you're okay with me saying on your behalf that you've kind of done a service to your family by all of a sudden helping others find that I'm in some way related to Nancy Ward also. Right. Yeah. She's got a lot of descendants and I tell you what, it's growing by the day. And I do get those messages and, you know, I've seen different places, you know, on those websites, Nancy Ward descendants and so forth. Oh, you've got to get Deborah Yates's book. She's, she's telling the story of Nanyi and, you know, what um, great things that she did, you know, yes, she was a warrior woman. She was a proud warrior woman that unfortunately did have to take lives. But as, her life progressed and developed and she learned more sitting at the feet of great men um, led her people to a, a lasting peace much to our demise however however it is what it is and it was meant to be our country was meant to be America we were you know the Lord allowed everything to happen just the way it did because this country was destined to do great things and to be full of people from all around the world. And in order for that to happen, we did have to vacate our lands, unfortunately. Is it a sad story? Yes, it's hugely sad. Nanyi um, foretold 30 years before it happened what we now call the Trail of Tears. And her prophecy was, I see my people walking in a line with tears streaming down their face. 
hence trail of tears. Through that um, um, foresight that she had, my family evacuated from Georgia and Tennessee and the Carolinas voluntarily on our own, and we became what was known as old settlers. We removed ourselves, but we already had a real good idea because our really smart granny had told us this was going to happen. We're going to lose our lands. And um, she would beg everybody, please succeed. No more of your lands. We have to hang on to our past so that we have a future. She negotiated a deal with George Washington that did not end up holding. He promised her her land in perpetuity for all time. Unfortunately, as with every other treaty that were made with all Native American tribes, was broken also. So the state of Tennessee does hold my granny's land. However, since the release of my book, her hometown, which was called Chota, which was her village that she ruled, has been given to the Cherokee by the state of Tennessee. They gave us her town back. So what an amazing thing that is. And in my book, it says, I hope that someday that they will see the error of their ways and give my grandmother's home back. And right out about the time my book published, we got that land back. So, you know, I've got more prayers going up. Isn't that cool? It's crazy. Yeah, that's, that's, that's called making an impact. Is 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 crazy, and uh, next, if everybody would pl- pray for red clay, red clay is the place where my people hold most sacred. It's where the magic hole is, which is a beautiful spring that comes up out of like nowhere in just like a little um, in a little you know valley area. It's a small valley. And um, that is also um, still held by the state of Tennessee. And we would like to see that, you know, be shared with our people, make it more accessible to our people. They'll let us come there whenever they want. Don't get me wrong. But it's like, um, it should be ours. It should be ours. It was our Holy of Holies. It's where our sacred fires were lit from every year. There were always guards and sentinels there to guard the fires so that they they were kept burning. And then every year the people would put their fires out and a runner or a sentinel from red clay would come and relight our fires anew each year. So that was like our new year. Okay. Uh, everything's starting well, anew. Sorry, I'm going to have so, to stop you there for a bit, you know, because we're sort of running out of time um quite quickly um but then just sort of from a business point of view you know from all the podcasts that you've had and i know you've made a lot of connections with people um you know especially with regards to your book in terms of people coming back to you and sort of you know connecting and saying oh yes you know i could be related to nancy um what are what are the benefits you know have you seen so now you're experienced right what are the benefits other benefits have you seen from podcasting and would you recommend it to someone who's just starting out? Well, absolutely, I would recommend this format. Um, you know, as when you're promoting a book, you have to look at them all. And podcasts, you know, one of the major up and coming uh, forms of entertainment out there that, you know, people can listen to at will, you know, and, and they can save them if they really like them. And yes, absolutely, all genres um, 
that get your story out there. If one person hears about Nani, Nancy Ward, you know, that I've done my job. I've done my job today. And, you know, you have done your job by introducing Bruce and I to your listeners that may have a curiosity about Native American life in America and what that was like and what the connections are between our country and your beautiful country. And, um, you know, and look at the relationship that Americans and the English still have today. That is relevant. That is absolutely relevant. This is going to do nothing but continue to help promote the goodwill between our countries and hopefully many other countries. You know, we're a and world. Thank you, Lola. I think people. I think one of the other I think one of the other benefits that Deborah has found in doing podcasts is that she has become such a well-spoken interviewee that I remember the first one that we placed her on. She was so nervous and she was calling me and telling me that she was shaking. And now here she is, all this time later after so many interviews have gone by and now she's so comfortable that now, as she just said, she can do this service to her seventh grade grandmother and carry on the legacy. So the benefit for her has also been, in addition to the other things that we've talked about, the benefit for her is that she has gotten so, so, so much better at being a guest on podcasts that she's happy to take them on when I contact her and say, I have another one for you. And it's just a matter of whether she's available or not. It's no longer about being nervous. Yes, because she sounds so confident. Um, you know, she, yeah. some people, when they start talking, they talk really, really fast. Um, you know, whereas, you know, you could hear the confidence in her. And so that's actually a good one. So, but then it's not even about being a guest because I can actually see it translate where maybe you were having a live studio conversation. Maybe you've been, you managed to hook a, a, a news interview um, and you could be so, you know, you're, you could be just, really a great interviewee and or even a live question or even a TED talk show. See, lots of opportunities. I just love, I've loved all of it. There's not been one opportunity that Bruce hasn't presented me that I've not, um, I've tried to embrace them all. And, you know, it's been fun talking to y'all and it does become more fun and more fun to um, just be a guest. I mean, to have people want to listen to what you've got to say is is the highest of honors. It, it truly is. So I am so honored to be on your show today and have well, coffee with everybody. Exactly. Well, it's been my pleasure. Well, before I kick you guys out, Bruce, what final words of wisdom do you want to share? Well, I would just encourage people to support podcasting, whether it's uh, subscribing to shows like yours and mine, Segalola, or whether it's taking on starting up a podcast themselves, but to embrace it and to realize that it's not a hobby, it's not a fad, it's not something that people are trying out in their basement uh, for homes that have basements. And it's a very powerful resource that we have that, as Deborah is showing, that can be used for the good. It's something that we can use to further our businesses, but it's also something that can be used for something like furthering a, a family legacy. So I just uh, ask everyone to support uh, podcasting in whatever way they can. Fabulous. Well, thank you very much. Um, so if I remember just, no, well, I'm not even going to remember, Bruce, what's the name of your podcast again? My podcast is called Now Hear This Entertainment. Okay. And then, then um, Deborah, your book is called what again? 
my book is called Woman of Many Names, and you can download it on, go to Facebook and hit search, put in Woman of Many Names, and it will lead you to uh, several interviews, um, TV spots, um, different things that are going on with the book. And, um, you know, you can always get hold of Bruce at, um, I believe it's now here, this. And um, if you want me to be a guest on your show, um, you know, and Amazon.com, any of those um, um, sites do have woman of many names available in paper and hardback also. Fabulous. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure having you both on the show, uh, but it's just come to that time where I have to kick you all out and hopefully go and try and Segulola. <laughs> God bless you, Segulola, and I hope you feel better so much sooner. I'll I'll give a shout out for you, okay? Thank you very much. All right, speak to you guys. Thank again. you so much. Thank you. And everyone else, it's Thank the Segulola Salami Show. Until next time, bye. Bye. <laughs>